You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. The world is filled with many questions, such as, did giants exist? What is junk DNA? Does it mean that you're trash? Do you ever wonder if aliens have underwater bases in our oceans, and that's why there are so many UFO sightings off the coasts of islands all over the world? How serious even is climate change, and when should we start building our rafts? Hello, everyone. You may recognize me as Gabby from the History of Everything podcast. And my name is Brenna, and you don't recognize me from anything yet. Together, we're two scientists who explore the answers to these questions and many, many more in our new podcast, Mystery of Everything, Everything, available everywhere you get your podcasts. Warning, this bonus episode of Monster Talk contains a lot of adult language and the consumption of alcohol. It also contains some interesting details about haunted objects, archaeology, were-sheep, curses, mummies, and the most puns we've ever included in a recording. You've been warned. Now, here's the deal. And for the listeners, for all the listeners of this, if you're confused at the end, listen to this backwards. It makes perfect sense. Yep. <laughs> it's all everything. Everything you've heard today has been backmasked. However, mm-hmm. I will warn our listeners: if you listen to it backwards and you're near a Ouija board, we are not responsible for any portals to an ultra-dimensional hell opening and or your soul being sucked into it, you take that into your own hands, metaphorically speaking. Yes. We will ask for people to sign disclaimers before you listen to it back. Metaphorical disclaimers. Metaphorical Metaphorical disclaimers. disclaimers. Every time. We better put this at the start of the show then. I I, I just had to put a disclaimer. Warning, do not listen to this show backwards next to a Ouija board. Maybe better off off with a do not listen to this show under any circumstances. Yes, just just leave it right there. Just leave it right there. Which makes it more forbidden. More forbidden. It's actually quite unlike anything we've ever seen before. A giant hairy creature, part ape, part man. In Loch Ness, a 24-mile-long bottomless lake in the highlands of Scotland. It's a creature known as the Loch Ness Monster. Monster Talk. Welcome to Monster Talk. I'm Blake Smith. And I'm Karen Stolzner. Hello, Monster Talkers. This is Blake Smith, the host of Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. For October, I really wanted to give you all as much creepy, monster-filled, Halloween-appropriate content as I could. My goal was to try to get out four episodes in a single month, a feat I'd never accomplished since we started this show. But sadly, you'll have to settle for five. That's right. Somehow we've managed to put together five episodes in a single month. Don't worry, we will be back to our shoddy one or two a month episode schedule as soon as we can be. If you're a Patreon supporter, we thank you so much for your support. I can't tell you how helpful your donations are right now, but they're turning out to be far more helpful than you can imagine. This surprise fifth episode will not be charged to your account, so bonus. 
What began as a fairly simple plan to talk about haunted objects turned into something of a drunk cast, but I think it's surprisingly cogent considering how much whiskey passed my lips. If you've ever wondered what it would be like to go to a Skeptics in the Pub with monster nerds and archaeologists, you're about to find out. We hope you enjoy it. Monster Talk. Welcome to Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. Tonight, we're actually joining for another Archaeological Fantasies podcast crossover. Mm -hmm. So we've got... Oh, yeah! First Uh, one was so popular. And this is going to be a special Halloween spooky edition. All the spooky. Yeah. Spooktacular. So there's a lot of spooky archaeological (laughs) topics, and we're going to probably hit on quite a few. Uh, We've got uh, myself and Karen. And Hello. Sarah and Ken and Jeb from Archaeological Fantasies, which is Archie Fantasies. If you have not subscribed, you are a loser. Subscribe as quickly as you can. <laughs> I, 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 concur, I, I concur with that. Yeah. So Absolutely. we also have a Patreon, so you could give us money if you really wanted to. Do, if you really love us, do all the Patreon. You would give us money. You should give us money <laughs> and uh, worship us. Yes. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, I like, I like that, yes. yes. We're off to I, 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 I didn't know what Patreon was, so I asked, and Blake told me it's kind of like a tip jar. So kind I, of, I, I sort of. Told, it is. But I told, Blake, I told and, Blake and Karen that, that I've decided that I'm going to put a tip jar at the front of my classrooms, and with students, if I've oh, done a really good job should. lecturing, they should that, put a couple of bucks in. Why not? I'm going to do that, too. I think it's a brilliant idea. You might be great. I think you just transformed academia, is what you've just done. I think so. I just had to fill out an ethics form, so that might not run afoul. But if you want to support Ken, the best way to support Ken at this point would be to buy his 50 sites you have to see before you die in America book. Damn right. right. <laughs> Damn right. In fact, buy a couple of copies. They make wonderful presents for um, Halloween, for example. Halloween. Or Absolutely. Christmas Ken, or Ken what is, in all seriousness, I probably mangled it. Ken, what is the title of that? Oh, you know what? Shit, man. 50 sites of graves. My, my problem with... My, <laughs> My, my problem with the title was I wanted it to be an archaeological odyssey, and the publisher told me nobody knows what odyssey means. Yeah. So it's oh. it's ancient America, oh. fifty archaeological sites to see for yourself. All right, excellent, excellent. So we are doing our second crossover. Our first one was on the very serious and important topic of fairies. <laughs> yes. And, I well, like which, the fairy episode. Wait, it was, it's a great episode. In all seriousness, it gets into how people see the past, how they sort of imagine human agency and extra human places and so on. But we decided this time we're going to go all out and go with haunted objects because you're surrounded by objects and they might be haunted. Try mm. to go to sleep now. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, It's a serious matter. It is a serious. It is. Well, well it is and listen, serious. listen. In Connecticut, we have the um, the Ed and Lorraine Warren have their own uh, museum. Oh God! Of, oh God! Yes, they have a museum, and in that museum is the I guess it's a Raggedy Ann doll. You're, you're talking about be, the real Annabelle. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The real Which Annabelle. Is yes, but it's a Raggedy Ann doll. No, I okay. I have never I've never seen it. But I, I was going to ask you if you've been there, Ken, and also I have not. Well, the thing is, I, I guess when I think it's Ed who died. He did. Yes, he did. that's died. correct. Ed that's correct. And and I guess in the, there was like for a 
few bucks they gave tours of it, but now they've kind of closed it down, and the only people they let in, they do these these dinners that cost a tremendous amount of money, but it's a much smaller crowd. So their their um their business model has changed tremendously, and I'm well, not about to pay them a whole shit ton of money oh for no. like rubber chicken and to be well. Well, well now, let's around. also be fair. I mean, Robert the doll is the big one, and, mm. and for that you need uh, spooky piano. Uh, which <laughs> I'm not saying that that's a prime matter to discuss or anything, but I am. But, but so I think I, I think in the case of Annabelle, at, uh, when it was open and they let people in, uh, they warned people they didn't want people to look at it because it you would you would automatically get haunted or something. Oh, the cursed. spirit would travel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But so it's the kind of thing. It was the thing that drew people in, but then they made a big deal about, oh, don't look at it. Um, but that's that's. <laughs> so, are we still a, talking about modern... Annabelle or Robert? Well, they're both. Well, both, well either both, both of Florence. Right. Right. Well, they both. Robert doll is. Re- I just heard a whole story about the Robert doll on an excellent podcast um, called oh, yes. "And That's Why We Drink," and that I'm a, doll I'm in. sounds I'm in, obviously creepy as hell. I think you know, Jeb, you would actually really like that show. It's half paranormal, half true crime. But yeah, they they covered the Robert doll. Well, the well, story I'll have, I'll, that. <laughs> We did the show that. too. Yeah, our, ours is in our top ten downloaded, like most downloaded. Is that in your top ten? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Top 10. Ooh, yeah we, we interviewed the curator from the the museum there. Right, and yeah, we, no, I, I like that. We included. Yeah. That. See, they were talking all kinds of crazy stuff at the. It's like, is it true that like you have to um, ask permission of the doll to take its picture? Yes, and oh, then if you don't, sense. you need to write a letter in apology. Right, that's that's absolutely true <laughs> folklore. Yeah, that's true folklore. <laughs> well, here's the deal: Ed, Ed and Lorraine used to do tours, and they would lecture at universities. And they came to my university, so I primed one of my students to ask them about the James Randi challenge. Now, this is back in the day when it wasn't a million bucks, but I said, go ask them why they've never, you know, have never accepted the challenge, and. Ed said, and I remember it very clearly, that he said, oh, yes, I've heard of that. And if I wanted to buy my wife a mink coat, I could do that in a heartbeat by winning that challenge. But we're not in this for the money. No. And it's... then my student didn't ask them, are you getting paid for this lecture? And Ed, the, you know, brought down the house. And oh, stopped no. Paying attention to them. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. I mean, of course, they were making a good living by doing those lectures. But no, we're not in it for the money. Let me, let okay. me just say this. I'm holding a glass and I am have all the self-control right now to not react to what you just said, Ken, because good, good God, good God. Um, our, let, our, let me ask. I was going to say our go number ahead, five episode, our number five most downloaded episode. Wow. The, the Warno wow. mission. Yeah. Awesome. Which, which it's is, a great story, tell, tell though. Them, tell them what your number one downloaded episode number is. Number one like downloaded episode is Ancient Aliens with Ken Fader. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Ken... Ken Blankety blankety fader, yes. as I believe how it's <laughs> done. I believe that's what's per- written on Urban Dictionary. Is how that's, that's written. That's right. That's what the explicit uh, parental advisory sticker on the this, download. This do you just put really one of them good, on your though. forehead, Ken? Because you yeah, should. I do. Absolutely. Yeah. In my mouth, actually, I stick my tongue out. So okay, that, that's, that's I, Ken. That's you know, a little really, much information. Really, it's, really. It's funny that Ken finally joined. Twitter when he did, and he joined it with the Twitter handle of I think it's like America Ancient America fifty or fifty Ancient America or something like that. Yeah, something like that. But it was really funny because long before you joined, Twitter was eager for you to join. So we had already decided that your Twitter handle was going to have to be Goddamn Kenny Fetter. That's funny. Fetter. Yeah. And like, <laughs> no, 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 I believe it's Kenny F and Fetter. I believe that is the appropriate. Right. Was it? Was it? Was yes. But, you know, was it yes. already taken? 
The singer I, Amanda Palmer already says she's oh, Amanda fucking Palmer. There you right, go. That's right. Done. Done. Yeah. So, but let's get back on haunted objects. Uh, we got yeah. a couple of North American archaeology types here. Uh, uh, we are all aware of the social media of archaeologists digging up creepy dolls. Are we oh, yeah. aware? Hmm. What? Tell, uh, tell me more about y'all y'all's experience with that. I, I you know I don't have any direct experience with that at all, other than people. Kind of asking me, well, this stuff that that's creepy as fuck. That stuff that you dig up. Do you ever wonder? Do you ever worry about the spirits? And I said, well, well, no, actually. My my usual bullshit answer to that is, well, obviously, if there are spirits, they brought me to this site and they wanted me to dig this stuff up. And yeah, then people it's, usually it's, it's go Baal's away. will. It's it's Baal's will that you oh, find it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> But now, in, in Mesoamerica, Jeb, in Mesoamerica, yes, yes. is there is there a tradition of spooky dolls that the Aztecs or the Maya or whoever made, and that those spirits inhabit those? And well, there's evil. There's there's modern there's modern things where people put dolls, but they don't mean it to be spooky. And this is why I bring it up. I actually kind of have, and I don't want to alienate people, but it's what I'm really good at. Uh, I, <laughs> I, uh, or ancient I alienate. Actually, Yes, yes. Well, I, I kind of do it modern, too. I kind of do it postmodern also. <laughs> but I, I actually, in all seriousness, have a problem with these sort of creepy doll concepts because, like, look, these are objects which have been made weird and exotic by time. This, These were oh, things sure. that people really cared about. These were beloved things. And because okay. they look human and because they look I, – I get why people find them creepy. But at the same time, I'm like, don't exoticize I can't tell no if you're talking no, about dolls or great-grandmothers. I, <laughs> I want to jump in here, though, because you and I briefly touched on this last time we talked and you were sober. So we're um, going to do this straight up. That, the- that was never an actual state, but continue. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the, the thing about the creepy dolls is um, when – because you guys know I do a lot of CRM, and for people yes. who don't know, that's a contract archaeology. I, I go out and I, I walk in line. means you dig the hell the out of things. Yeah. I swear – She's the hell out of stuff. Um, but part of it is getting to the sites and walking through the woods. And a lot of the woods is, is woods behind people's houses. And the reason why the creepy doll thing exists and why I'm challenging the whole statement of, you know, it's a it's an exoticized item is I have seen people who have taken the dolls specifically for the purpose of creating a creepy space, like nailing them through the head to a tree or that, the, oh, I'm okay the with you doll, creepy. the doll that graveyard okay that we walked through. Right. Yeah. I mean, no, no. and when you're when you're walking through the woods and you have a vague idea of where you are and you're going off of a compass and a top, uh, topo map, and you come across a graveyard where it's just all these little doll heads and doll arms sticking up out of the ground. I mean, you can't tell me that was done out of love because that no, sounds like me as a kid. I didn't like Barbie dolls. I was more of a tomboy. So if I got ah. dolls, I'd, I'd kind of do that to them. I have this, a really oh, great God. picture of a doll that apparently got hooked in a tree somehow and it had been turned into a wasp's nest. So the wasps oh, haven't had yeah. it. Oh, oh good God. It's a cool picture. I've seen it and I love it. And I know it's a field picture, but I'm, I mean that I would agree with you. That's, that's an out of place object that got yeah. turned into well, something yeah. creepy, but I have, I, 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 I have two reactions to that. 
I have two rations of that. One, I'm going to now tape up all the ducks in my house for the wasps. Uh, and secondly, that kind of feels very Mary Douglas because what you're describing are things that are out of place. Right. They are weird because right. they're out of place. And the thing I get bothered by is the sort, and this gets into our haunted objects thing, I think, uh, things that make sense where they are discarded by people but because of time and because of where and because, frankly, we are weirded out by seeing the human form outside of us, they become creepy. And it's like, look, you, you dug up a Victorian doll. It's not creepy because it's a different context. Exactly. But, no, I agree with you there. I but if somebody, Mary Douglas, is the shit out of that and nails it to a tree because they want you to feel weird. You'll say the haunted thing, <laughs> thing is really creepy. I saw on Twitter a, a doll's head that a hermit crab had moved into and using it as a yes, shell. That's, that's pretty awesome. That's pretty messed up. Too. That's that life. I like that a that's lot. Life what about that toy that was filled with the beans and it sprouted? I haven't seen that. Aside from school, I haven't. I haven't seen that, and I don't want to see that. That's just no, sounds... I, I, that I can't strip it out of okay, my brain. You kind of want to. So we're not. We're not. Hitting... Wait, so it was a doll. So it was like a human being. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! That's oh my god. god! Wow. Okay, I'm just gonna say this: having met, having met Blake at CryptidCon, if you all think this is a thing he does for the radio, <laughs> oh no, my friend! Oh my god, you are That's mistaken. The real deal. He you is know what I think the worst part of it is, is if you follow talented. him on Twitter, I almost feel like it's like his testing ground for these things on Twitter. And he's like, I'm pretty sure the world is his testing ground. So in case we have any listeners left. Uh, what we, any what, sober listeners left. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. No, no, we want those. Because, yeah. I mean, they're already in a place to buy all the all the pickup trucks we're selling. But... Uh, <laughs> But no, we, we wanted to talk about haunted objects tonight for Halloween. And you know what? Halloween should be full of mirth because, it, of course, it is the time when the veil between the worlds is thinnest. And that's when you should be, Jesus Christ, oh, my God, no, I'm laughing and whistling uh, against the graveyard. Right. But, but we want to talk about haunted objects. And, and I think this fits nicely into monsters, which we did with fairies. And I also fits, think it fits nicely into, into the, the archaeology we do. Um. Do we all have I, – I, I have some ideas about one, but do we have any particular haunted objects we wanted to talk about before we get into sort of what we, would talk, we, we were planning on talking about? Well, did we well, – uh, the moving statue of Neb Sinu in the middle. Oh, let's right. talk about hmm. that. Let's talk sure. about that. So who, who knows that story? Uh, I can Blake? give a brief synopsis. That Blake, go it, ahead. It was noted that this, th this was, is in England. Is it where right, is it? Do you remember? Right in Manchester, England. There's a statue of uh, it's an Egyptian statue of Neb Sinu. And what was noticed? I guess there were security cameras. Oh, uh, on hang on, it. hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Which yes. one's Neb Sinu? Neb Sinu, Ma Manchester moving statue. There's been TV shows and whatnot. Yeah. Right. Right, right, right. But we have to pretend like we don't know what we're talking about. So we've we've got Egyptian. This, oh, Egyptian. oh, right, right, right. It's, it's, it's Egyptian. Egyptian. Who is Neb? Who was who, who, Nebsenu? Oh, oh, I don't know that. <laughs> no. You guys know that. <laughs> and we have now hit the limit. Yeah. The, uh, we'll, we'll call him some minor functionary who was Egyptian Egyptian statue. statue. It's Let's a just eight hundred year old statue. I know that much. And okay, so okay. so basically uh, Middle Kingdom. Okay, All right. Got that. And it was uh, obviously uh, looted by the Brits, because that's what they do. That's what they do. Uh, hey, now. God bless hey. them. God hey. effing bless them. Hey, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it's the statues uh, in a glass display. 
And yes. on security cameras, it was noticed that the the statue was moving on its own and rotating. It's turning, like, right? Right, it was, it was turning. Rotating. It was like rotating. Yeah, yeah. Rotating. yeah. And yes, so it, it, was, it is It is sitting and spinning. Right, exactly. And so well, over no one, time. No one, really? Okay. Yeah. Anyway. No. <laughs> it was, I'm old enough to remember the sit and spin. Um, it's about to spin. Kenner's sit and spin. You put it together. So it, it's sitting and spinning in a glass case. It's legitimately happening. You wouldn't notice it if you're watching it because it's very slow. It's really goddamn slow. Right. right. But mm. uh, there was uh, investigation, and the skeptical explanation is that vibration from local traffic was causing it to slowly rotate in the glass. And I mean slowly. Right. But there like was over the course of a day. Yeah. And so you'd come in. You wouldn't notice it if you were there. But over the course of a day, it actually did like a 360. So, right. uh, And thus right. was haunted for at least a couple of days so they figured out what was going on. Mm-hmm. Except for a couple of days, you mean like apparently they're still doing that. There, there was some show that I, I forget the name of it, but, but Sharon pointed out. Where there's some recent, I think it's like the Science Channel, Discovery Channel, where it was their first episode in 2017. This was like five years ago, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a while back. Apparently, mysteries never die by mysteries. I mean, things we actually know. So the real thing is, how many of us have been in houses where trucks or trains or traffic or whatever cause things to move? Oh, absolutely, yes. Yeah. yeah oh, God. Sure. California earthquakes. Yeah. I, I used to, I used to live next to a quarry, and it would that definitely moves things when they blast. Right. If you put something too close to the edge of a table, it, you don't even feel it happening, but it's enough to knock it over the table. Right. What? Oh, yeah. Who did that? So why were none of these things haunted? They they weren't thirty eight hundred years old, Jeb. That's why. That's why. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and maybe and perhaps yeah, more important. Yeah. Yes, Karen. Maybe, maybe they, no, that was, that was me, Sarah. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> we sound the same. Absolutely the same. Yep. <laughs> I can't tell. Very much. Oh, my God, what's going on? <laughs> Sarah, Sarah, say wallaby. Sarah, say wallaby. So, wallaby. anyway, but go ahead. <laughs> uh, no, I was, I was going to say, how do you know it's not a house full of haunted objects? And they're just reacting to the noise of the cars. They hate these the trains. Are <laughs> yeah, and they hate the trains so much that they're moving because they're agitated by the noise. Now, See, now that, that, does fall, that does fall into Occam's razor. I think that's appropriate. Yes. But, now, but... We're, 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 when, um, you know, the, the moving rocks of Death Valley, uh, right. were those ever assumed to be haunted? Or was that always kind of, well, we know there's a natural explanation, we just don't know what it is yet. I always figured it was the latter. I mean, people mentioned it because it was weird, but I don't think right. anybody literally was like, these are effing ghosts, or these are effing jinn, or effing right. aliens, or whatever uh-huh. else. Oh, and, I think I heard the theory though that they were alien. The aliens were moving the rocks, or, or it could have been ghosts, or something like that. That's those that's, are the worst aliens ever. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just saying. That's pointless. Aliens. Aliens. All they do is yeah. rearrange. But I, 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 I guess the thing with with haunted objects is that haunted objects are usually also stolen objects. They are usually objects that have lost their past. Mm-hmm. Exactly. They're, yeah, they're 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 a legitimate past, and they often have had one imposed upon them, and that is, I think, possibly a place that we can pick this up. Have any of you guys seen the Haunted Collector on TV? I'm not sure which channel shows yes. it, but 
Oh, yeah, know. it's been a while, what, but I have seen a couple what's of his, episodes. What's the guy's name? Zach Maggins. John John Zaffis. Oh, well, there's is, is yeah, Zaffis? there's Zaffis. Oh, sorry, Zaffis I, is the one I know. Right, yeah, right. Zach so, yeah, so Maggins has a new museum in uh, Las Vegas. That's what I'm thinking of. With, with, oh, with his, is it with in his, Las Vegas? With his I thought it was in Connecticut. No, no, Zaffis is Connecticut. Baggins is Las Vegas. Yes. So, 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 Karen, you're bringing up the haunted collector. Yeah, yeah. So he's he. John Zaffis is actually Ed Warren's nephew. Yes. For those who don't know. And uh, so he, this, this TV show is based, basically the premise is that he and his team, and I think it involves a few members of his family, they go to people's houses where they, there are claims that uh, they're having paranormal activity of some kind. And usually it's something uh, ominous as well. It's just not, uh, it's just, there's something very bad going on there. Everything uh, so- is always demonic. Everything. It is, it is, and, and they really do start with that whole premise about objects being possessed. And so what they do is they the team goes into a house and they locate and then remove any haunted or possessed objects. And it's very interesting to me too because typically they start the cameras start scanning around the house and you think, oh, okay, that creepy doll or that clown there, that's going to be the haunted object. But no, 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 these guys are professionals. They know what they're doing. It ends up being something like a, a, a smoking pipe or a sword Something unexpected. It's not usually the creepy thing in the house. It's like a and haunted antique roadshow. That's so weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also, so John Zappas and his, how, his crew. How, sorry? No, I was just going to ask, how valuable are these objects that end up well, being Well, some haunted? of them are quite valuable, and he basically takes these objects yeah, because they're... Does he say, like, now this. this is so dangerous, I'll take it? He does. Was, he, yeah. he very kindly relieves them of their antiques and, and other How things. How did I not think of this wow. I know, it's genius. It's like the yeah, old Friday the 13th this. TV show. Oh, yeah, except, yeah. Except they never solved the case. You just come to see the you, – you pay to see it. At the can, can, you, can you go to somebody's house and simply say – the, all those bills in your billfold? Well, that money, that's haunted. Oh, oh. Let me, if let you've me, got a TV oh, show, if you've got a TV crew. Ken, you know that's actually uh, like a really common uh, mystic routine where you tell people oh, yeah. to burn off a curse, you need to get rid of the money. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. You, I'll take it off your hands. because. And then they do the no, magic. No. Tr- they appear to burn the cash and they actually uh-huh. pocket it. Yeah, it's no good. Uh-huh. There was actually, I read about this, there was actually a rash of... Um, uh, uh, cons that were going on and apparently they were targeting elderly Asian women with mm. this because apparently when they're if they're immigrants they still have that and so there were people who were taking advantage of that uh, that superstition and they were like targeting these women on the streets and they're like oh yeah, yeah there's a curse and if you bring me an unop- a sealed uh, packet of $300 and I can clean Cleanse the curse from you, and they would mm-hmm. do it. Oh my and they, god, yeah, they, they turned it into the bad swap. Yeah, nice, nicely done. But, uh, yeah, I've got some insider info on this show that I think you oh. guys might appreciate. Hello. The listeners right. might appreciate. Oh, yeah, there's your yeah, pre, so. pre-break teaser. Nicely done. Oh. <laughs> yeah, well, you want to go back oh. after this? <laughs> yes. After <laughs> the break, all of the inside information. Stick around. Monster dog. And we are back, and Karen, you took us out with an interesting behind-the-scenes trivia bit. Yes. With, what have you with got the Haunted Collector. The Haunted yes, Collector. the Haunted Teaser. Collector with, with John Zaffis. So uh, this is a little bit of goss that I've got behind the scenes. Oh, so a, yeah. A friend of mine <laughs> who is a well-known magician whose name I, I cannot mention, unfortunately, told me personally that uh, the, the producers of the show once contacted him 
and they said, we need you to make some, some special effects for the show. Oh, so my God. Unbeknownst yeah, sure, to the actors, uh, they basically the producers wanted to scare the actors in the show. Okay, that's uh, kind of awesome. <laughs> yeah. This is way better than the actors doing something to pretend yeah. to be. Uh, no, no, no. Yeah, that's yeah. that's like kind of a whole other level. That's amazing. Well, I, something similar um, is uh, – I don't know if you guys have heard of Fact or Fate. I'm sure yeah. you have. I know, yeah, yeah, I know Blake yeah. certainly has. It was a show uh, on so, the Sci-Fi channel, yes. Yeah, I don't think it's on anymore, um, but it was basically where they'd just take – uh, apparently random uh, i think videos from youtube from youtube yeah and uh, so paranormal videos and they would uh, oh, try sure. to recreate whatever phenomena was taking place and to to decide in the end whether it was fact or fake and uh, so the producers of that show went to my husband who happens to do the same sort of thing as me in skeptical paranormal research all right and uh, he had a, a video it was a promo for a uh, a tv show that he was doing at the time and there was a Ouija board and the planchette leapt across the Ouija board and so they wanted to use this video and the producers got in contact with him and they said look we'll we'll give you fifteen hundred dollars if you can make the the jump of the planchette more pronounced jesus christ so i actually wrote about this uh for the james randy educational foundation and for Mm. skeptical inquirer so the information's out there on the, the the web uh so i'll supply that for the show notes too but uh yeah this just seems to be uh i've Unfortunately, I had a lot of experience with producers and TV shows and oh this sort of thing is, is common. We, we get a lot of contact yeah. for people wanting to have us on as skeptics on their TV shows. And it's always the same sort of thing. We need to pit the skeptics versus the believers. Or you, you're on a team and one of you is a believer and one of you is a, you know, a skeptic or two or whatever. If we can get some kind of Mulder Scully dynamic. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's, they want that conflict because they think it's interesting. They think it heightens the drama to have because, two because characters in conflict and you're you're both interesting characters and yeah. Well, they just want us to come on and say no. Well, really. I have be the too. token skeptic. <laughs> I have act, I have actually had producers say flat out to me that when I tell them I'm not interested in that, that's a bunch of crap. They say yes, but you get to play the archaeologist. I thought this was reality, bro. Like, I don't have to play. Turns out, I actually have to fucking degree in that. Just saying. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it's worth remembering all all this stuff comes out of the fact that the Writers Guild of America had a strike. And the way to fill that time was to come up with this sort of concept of reality programming, which is just film a whole bunch of crap and have the producers edit it down to tell the story they want to tell. So what, I'm, yeah, so what I'm hearing is, is if you remove all gatekeepers, <laughs> just y'all fill that with whatever you want to fill that exactly, with. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So now the question, I've got a question for you, Karen. So sure. this show is this, is the, is the, the notion behind this, that these objects are pissed off that they're in somebody's house because they're haunted and they want to be taken back to where they belong. Seems like That's, there's an obvious solution well, to that. That's an interesting theory, but I think it depends on the object that we're talking about. So often uh, their their theory for the show is that people have picked up uh, antiques, secondhand objects, and that they still carry the the memory of – or that they're they're haunted in some way and they they might be haunted by spirits or the the object itself and that once it – so sometimes it might want to go back to the owners, but usually it just needs to be – 
I think, taken out of the household so that the paranormal activity stops and that everyone's safe. And then John Zaffis has his museum and, I guess, can make money out of it. So kind of, kind of like in the old medieval concept of laying a ghost, and uh, that has been sort of carried forward. There's the the fiction of M.R. James, where like most of his stories about a haunted object here, a haunted object there, that just needs to be sort of neutralized. Mm-hmm. He takes it, and he's he's just isolating them, like Annabelle. He's keeping these okay. things behind glass doors, and uh, so I don't know. I think that he thinks too somehow that he can uh, just protect himself and people from these objects. Uh, I find it interesting that a glass yes. case say, is yeah, all yeah. Well, and, and spells, I guess, and prayers. <laughs> We've mentioned this on this show, that the, the National Park Service uses a version of this to actually prevent people or to dissuade them from stealing pieces of petrified <laughs> wood from the petrified forest. Because and also uh, in Hawaii. Also. Hawaii, right. Yeah, the volcanic rock, rock, yeah. there's, there's actually a book now with that compiles the letters that people have sent the park service by people saying re- returning years later sometimes returning pieces of petrified wood that they illegally picked up in the petrified forest and asking that they be forgiven because their lives have become pure shit since they picked up that piece of wood so there's some curse or something haunted about those pieces that oh my god if you put it back they even tell they even tell the park service in some of these letters this is where I picked it up please put it back in the same place so that the the, the, the curse will be removed from me that's haunted. how I feel about my dis- about my dissertation but uh... <laughs> but, but seriously yeah, haunted petrified wood you'll never you'll never get bored with it uh, <laughs> good god. oh god <laughs> you know we're gonna do, we need somebody to be doing to doing rim shots on a snare drum in the background <laughs> oh, of some of this stuff. I don't I think, think there are enough snare right drums now. yeah uh, but no but that 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 gets that reminds me of of the scare gifts uh, so a book again I I love pl- uh, promoting this book because it's not mine uh, Roger Luckhurst the the Mummy's Curse the History of a Dark Fantasy. He uh-huh. talks about the idea of, of sort of the origin of haunted objects, and he talks about how every time one of these things gets promoted, there are all these scare gifts of people like sending shit back to the British Museum or okay. other places for the exact same reason. Like, oh my god, no, 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 no. And, and the one he talks about is the unlucky mummy. Now, I know oh, we, yes. mm. we've talked about that. I like the unlucky mummy, yeah. Yeah, Blake, Blake and Karen, do you do you know the unlucky mummy? Have you heard that? You've heard of this? I, I'm assuming this is not Tut. So some no, other, it's uh, before, <laughs> before, yeah. So no, well, I don't think so. No, yeah. don't make it's uh, it's a uh, it's a mummy case. It's from much later in Egyptian history, like a later dynasty. Uh, but it became very much associated. It's really, in many ways, the origin of the idea of the the mummy's curse, and and you know people that get injured and die around it. And one of them was a reporter. I want to say Bertram. I'd have to go back and look up his name. I'm, I'm screwing this up now. But uh, that I'll link us all this stuff yes, in the show notes again. That was a, a good friend of Arthur Conan Doyle. Right. And when he died at an unexpected age, Doyle blamed elementals because Doyle had, had, had sort of dallied with the supernatural and the occult and spiritualism before he went kind of full-throated on it. Uh, this is the same guy that also inspired the Hound of the Baskervilles. He had sort of collected lore about Dartmoor black dogs. And when Doyle visited him, literally the guy that drove him to his Dartmoor house was named Baskerville. 
and and so this was this was sort of that individual. Uh, when this got returned to or, or sort of mentioned in the press, people sent in droves the shit that they had been stealing from Egypt and other places to the British Museum in the same way that people send stuff back to Hawaii or they send stuff back to the petrified forest. This is not a new concept. Did you guys ever see the episode, and I'm ashamed to say this, but of the Brady Bunch? Oh, yes, the, with the tiki, the tiki the doll. The tiki doll, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and the, the, the Someone had to say it, Ken. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly, exactly. Well, this is one of the beautiful things. These ideas still make sense to people for very good reasons. You know, they, they fit into uh, very specific ideas. I mean, it's not like that thing came from Pennsylvania. As much as we're talking about the length and or breadth of Pennsylvania, uh, these things come from Hawaii. Exotic places. From exotic places where right. a president clearly could never come from. Mm. <laughs> Fuck the 21st century. Poor Greg being involved in that surfing accident. <sighs> yes, exactly. exactly. <laughs> that had Vincent but, Price in it. That man must have needed to pay the rent. Oh, oh. so do, do we all know that Vincent Price was an artifact collector? I knew he was no. an art collector. No, I didn't know he was an artifact not. collector. Mm. If you if you know you go, that kind of fits though that that fits with the whole Vincent Price image though really go so we've had Donnie Yates on our show who's an expert and in, in international antiquities crime and international antiquities uh, legislation and and laws and regulations and so forth uh, we've had her on before and she is one of the brains behind the fantastic site Trafficking Culture and on there you can find discussion as well as on her her anonymous Swiss collector blog, which talks about this, of Vincent Price, who, you know, was a spooky actor and blah, blah, blah. Also, Thriller, Stranger Things is coming out next week, whatevs. But he also kind of sold himself as a sophisticated person. He was like, he sold cookbooks. Not spooky oh, yes. cookbooks, just cookbooks. Like, he was like, <laughs> I do these things. And part of that was he collected Zapotec urns. Huh. in his house and that was sort of part of his image as a sophisticated person right which and, is kind of fascinating right towards the end of his life he was did a lot of talk show stuff and he was presented just as this extremely sophisticated urbane individual with lots and lots of interests beyond being this actor who was in all these these horror movies he was an yeah. interesting guy and as a horror fan i i, I love his work his his interest were so uh, uh, culturally broad. He he he, uh, he he was involved in so many things. His work promoted the work of Poe. His work promoted oh, yeah. uh, the work of so many different uh, artists. And like so many of his movies, while they're kind of like high camp, uh, they they tie into so many cool literary uh, uh, tropes and stuff. I, I I just love Price. So yeah, wasn't he? Wasn't he have wonderful seen, in Edward Yes, he was. Sorry, I, sorry, Sarah. Was wonderful, yeah. Well, I know Jump seen it, but have you guys watched the um, Scooby Doo um, Mystery Incorporated? Uh, cartoon series that ran, I want to say, three to uh, four years ago. Yeah, we talked. We talked about yeah. it on with the Zechariah Sitchin tie-in. The uh, yeah, Char Chargar Gothicon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, well, they've got a Vincent Price character on there. I forget his last name's Van Gould, and I forget what his first name is. But <laughs> the guy that's doing his his voice is just kind of spot on. Actually, I mean, you can mm -hmm. tell it's not Vincent Price, but he's pretty dang good about it. Mm -hmm. But it's just interesting how they've interpreted. Vincent 
Price's spooky persona into the Van Gould character because the Van Gould character is, well, it's Vincent Price. And, and so, of course, he's the star of all of these super campy, goofy movies oh, yeah. that the, the Scooby gang watches. But then when they pull him out, he's he's also this like, he's, he's a thespian and he's like trying to make uh, the greatest play ever. And he's like, Acting. He's, he's an act, but he's also like an insecure character. I mean, like, he's not like, Insecure is the wrong way to put it, but they really made him have depth, which is interesting for a kid's cartoon that they even went that far. But I and think it's because they're portraying him. I mean, it's supposed to be Vincent Price. And I think people yeah. have, especially people in the horror genre, have such a love for him. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm going to name drop now. And uh -oh, uh oh Yeah, yeah. Get ready. Um, so Victoria Price came out to Denver. She went to uh, it was, uh, Starfest, Horrorfest here a couple yeah. of years ago. And uh, for some reason, she became friendly with my husband and, and some of his colleagues. And so we actually went out to dinner with her, which Very was nice. a fascinating experience. And we went to a restaurant called Linga, which used to be a former mortuary in Denver. So she Hello. absolutely <laughs> loved this place. And uh, and we got a free meal out of it because the owner found out that she was Victoria Price and and uh, pretty much sat with us for the entire meal. <laughs> Any free please. meal story is a great story. <laughs> I, please tell me that they recycled the, the, the ovens in which they cremated human remains with them, and they made them uh, like, oh, pizza no. or something. You know, oven-fired pizza. Open and by pizza. ovens, we mean oven. No, I was like, I, I went to school at the University of Pittsburgh, and, and a year or two after I graduated, I visited... Uh, I went back and visited, and I ended up watching in Pittsburgh Night of the Living Dead with the son of one of the people from Night of the Living Dead. Wow. Nice. Mm. This yeah. is all Romero. This is all Romero country. Right. And we're literally watching this, and like at the bottom, because they made it very real, there's all the like, if you are in trouble, go to naming like hospitals like three, three minutes away and, and like two <laughs> minutes away. And yeah. I'm like, this got really, really weird. It's like, oh yeah, no, no. The 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 hot girl and the guy who get like burned at the gas station when they go to the gas pump. That's my dad and my mom. Because like, they were producers. They were producers of the show. So let me let me ask you all. Let's let's let's. So we are both archaeology fantasy because of course we're talking about Vincent, Vincent Price. So you know we're doing that, and we're right. also doing monster talk. Uh, in all the monsters you can think of, in all the monsters you've dealt with, and, and preferably more the ones people actually believe in, not so much the Black Lagoon slash creature, but enough about Evansville, are there are there objects, are there idols, are there other things uh, you can think of that kind of get tied or images or objects or the archaeological into any of the sort of the monsters you've covered so far? You can sort of think of them. We gotta talk about haunted objects. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Hello, I'm Paul Giamatti. And I'm Stephen Asma. Each week on Chinwag, we dig into the weird topics you wonder about, that you care about. The stuff none of us are totally sure of, like the Bermuda Triangle, Mothman, consciousness, philosophy, UFOs, ghosts, or say Bigfoot. 
So who's to say that there's not alien species that are Sasquatch? Like I've seen a ghost and I would hear something walking and breathing. Maybe every path is right. I will accept as a premise that every path is right. That is a face on Mars, eyes, nose. It kind of looked like Wilson the volleyball. Some people enjoy the waves or whatever uh, crashing, and I enjoy listening to a quantum physics audiobook. I do think there are many things in the world that we just don't understand yeah. and probably won't understand. That's our yeah. whole show. <laughs> so join us every Wednesday on all major podcast platforms and find us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at ChinwagPod and Wagon. That's a good question, but uh, off the top of my head, um, Blake. Oh, I keep thinking about this because you get into sort of like this religious symbology for like uh-huh. t- tying to like fighting monsters with uh, uh, religious artifacts or silver or these sort of pure right concepts. Oh, werewolves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've, you, yeah, you've you've done the Beast of Jevadon. Yeah, and, well, and, yes. and I love the fact that the Beast of Jevadon, the silver bullet is all my research indicates that there was no silver bullet in that story until <laughs> our good friend John Keel added it in the 1970s. Jesus Christ! Yeah, <laughs> it was just it was not a part of the original material. It was added in the 1970s. I love that fact. Like, I had forgotten that that's where you went. That was not theatrical. That was an actual. That was an actual you... Jesus Christ. <laughs> Uh, for those of you who don't know why we did this, uh, Blake and Sharon and I went to CryptidCon and we're working on a thing. It turns out that John Keel is the prophet of the unified field theory of the paranormal. Or as I like to say, oh, John Keel, Keel Hall's paranormal literature, right? So- <laughs> well, I hate to say, I think that was mine. Mm-mm-mm. That is oh, yours that. for sure. That's yours for yeah, sure. Right, right. No, that was mine. How John Keel hauled the paranormal. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I learned from you. I learned from the master. <laughs> but, but let's, I mean, it, let me think. I mean, in all seriousness, we have one I think we'd like to talk about uh, when we take the break in a moment, the uh, the Hexam heads. But before mm-hmm. we get to that, uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, when we, when we get to say Bigfoot, there is the the hairy man picto- pictogram, pictograph. Pictograph. Which we which we have talked about on our cryptozoology episode, and we mm-hmm. uh, we discussed. And I'm just gonna I'm not gonna strain that topic. Dun, 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 dun. But, nicely uh, done, nicely done. I got that. that. Was, and subtle, <laughs> very subtle though. Not not I'm subtle curious. at all. Not subtle at all. But but in all seriousness, uh, I'm not an expert on that, and, and we've discussed that one on the show. Um, I'm trying to think of any others that really incorporate sort of objects a lot of these incorporate discussions of indigenous knowledge or or sort of pre-modern knowledge again i think kind of telegraphing where we're going with the hexam heads but um how many of these really get into i i guess these are discussions we're having in terms of the human material culture versus sort of whether they're considered spiritual or flesh and blood kind of cryptids and wild creatures. I mean, like, there's no idol to the Loch Ness Monster except for, you know, today. But uh, there is actually a statue of Champ next to Lake Champlain. I've seen it. It's unfortunate because I I kind of think of in terms of uh, one of the things that I like to think of is if if the monsters were real, uh, your skeptic might be well-educated enough to be the person to go to, you know, uh, sort of that character like the uh, TV host in uh, Fright Night, 
someone who knows the lore well <laughs> enough to like tell you how to fight it. Like, I don't think mm-hmm. they're real, but if they were, here's what you need to do. You know, I try. I try to be that way. I yeah, try to be that I, I, I want to be prepared. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Speaking of, t- I, I want to tangent slightly because there's been no tangents in the previous part of the show. But uh, <laughs> have, have you all? I'm sorry that that was. I thought this whole episode was a tangent. <laughs> the whole thing. Is tangent. <laughs> yeah. 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 Have you all seen <laughs> the Toyota commercial with Adrian Shine? Yes. No. I, I, I no. saw that. In, I saw no. that in class the other day. It's wonderful. Oh my gosh! So Adrian, no. Adrian Shine, for those of it, and I think we'll kind of lead out on this. Adrian Shine is the deeply bearded. I don't think that's an actual verb. It's like ZZ uh, Top adjective. versus Nessie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, and and Adrian Shine in the 1970s very seriously took uh, Nessie and also Monster in, in Lake Morag. Uh, or like Mor- Morag and Morar, I forget exactly how that goes, but was seriously cryptozoologically in the 70s looking for these creatures as flesh and blood, and he became eventually very skeptical and ended up leaving, leading excuse me, things like Project Deep Scan and other v- more serious, and then looking for things like nematodes, like understanding the ecology of Loch Ness that became clearly skeptical voices. And he is now sort of the head of, like, the Loch Ness Project and, like, the Visitor's Center, if you go to Drumdadroket, on the shores of Loch Ness near Urquhart Castle. And he did a commercial, I want to say probably about 10 years ago now, yeah, for, oh for Toyota, where he's giving his random talking head, blah, 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 Nessie be wonderful. And then there's a CGI Nessie flopping around the water behind him. And he literally oh, runs off at that. full tilt, going tilt to, to go after this thing because, oh my God, it's Nessie in the loch. And it is highly, highly amusing. Well, this, are we talking about the same one where Nessie actually picks the pickup truck up Yes. 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 That's the one I see. Throws it. And yet, when Nessie is a plot, why is this tradition? Even to have survived. They started up and drive it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's it. That's it. They did a couple other ones, but yeah, it's actually Adrian F. and Shine doing this thing. Uh, And he's been more recently featured by Google and other bits. And, And I guess, I guess the point here is, you could think about Loch Ness. You know, it's this, it's this haunted monster. It's all things. But Urquid Castle is, in a sense, the haunted object, because if any of you are going to fake a Nessie picture, you're going to have that effing castle in the background, right. aren't you? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For scale, but for nothing right. else. So since we've gone to the British Isles, when we come back, I, I think we should talk about I think we should talk about spectral werewolves. I, I think that's a thing we should do. Right. I, I, I think the wheresheep man is. The wheresheep man. Or yeah, I think I, th- I think that's I think that's where we're leading this uh, this sewing discussion. All right, well let's go to break, and when we come back, we will start in on Where Sheep Man. We'll be back, Monster Dog. And we are back. We're back. Blake's puns at this point are the wolfbane of my existence. Nice. Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh, he's, it's contagious. Uh, I'd like to talk about the Hexam heads. I think sure. that'd be a kind of good out. We'll talk about sort of where that plays off. I think that will not be hard, given that we have filled forty minutes with tangents already. So mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think that's a problem. We're like but, a, like a uh, geometry class over here. I think more people know what these artifacts are than some of the other things we've talked about. But the hexam heads, yes. well, I mean, uh, which are a mm-hmm. 
And people know what these are because they listen to our podcast. Yes, we did they, a show on these. Jeb, what are the Hexum heads? Yeah, these are, yeah, God, tell us about these and, and why we keep going on about Wear Sheep Men and and because Wear Sheep Man is because Wear Sheep Man's amazing. So we did we did a whole show on on the Hexum heads, which are dug up out of a garden in council housing in Hexham in Northumberland in Northern England in 1971. Uh, and this is a thing that if you go into, um, oh, let's, let's conjure up various adjectives we won't actually use, but uh, uh, spectral places um, are fairly infamous for being ridiculously haunted objects. These objects are, are, again, discovered in 1971, and they are very quickly nominated as Celtic in origin. And again, if you've, if you've heard us discuss this, the very concept of Celtic doesn't mean that they're not Celtic languages, not to mean that they're the Celtic fringe, but that word, in no small part due to colonial relations that go to the 19th and earlier centuries, has a lot of exoticness built in. You know, if I go looking for things with Celtic online, I'm sure there'll be images of Stonehenge and other very mystical images that will come out of that, even though those don't necessarily have anything to do with these things. Right. So the these two little, I believe, Sarah, you describe them as looking not unlike Apple dolls. They do. They look like the pictures that I've seen of them. They look like if anyone's ever seen an Apple doll where you take an apple and you peel the skin off of it and then you carve a face into it and you let it shrivel up and dry. They're terrifying, um, but they're really kind of and that's exactly what these Hexum head things yeah. look like. Except and I think made, there's a reason for that. Well, they, and they look like they're, they're made of stone. Well, well, we'll get to that. Yeah, but right. uh, they look like like they look like little apple dolls. And the reason you know what they look like is you've seen pointillist drawings, which of course means that they have been properly recorded by archaeologists, which they were, right. because they were taken well, as as Celtic in origin when they were discovered. And they went through a number of hands, and and, and, and Paul Screeton, who is something a believer in ley lines and, and other sorts of issues, has written the sort of definitive book on the Hexum heads, and has also made a documentary, which I believe is literally called Heads! Exclamation point. Um, <laughs> that makes it. Yes. It's the exclamation mark. Uh, Jeb, in your opinion, are they Celtic? Well, so oh, we'll get to that. We'll, and are they we'll stone? Oh my god! So are they stone? Or are they Celtic? Answer: uh, a narrative pause. But um, so these things end up in the hands of archaeologist Anne Ross, who is actually quite a, quite very much an expert on Celtic things in the late 1960s, early 1970s, well respected, uh, and she puts them in with a larger collection of quote unquote Celtic heads that she has been collecting the problem is is that once she does this she gets haunted by spectral werewolves oh well so, as it as happens as one does as one yeah. does yeah so when an occupational you hazard. well okay but you left out all of the haunting that happened before yes. she got hold of them though i left out but i was going back to so in hexam Sorry, itself yes. Proper. No, no, no. You're, you're not wrong to question my narrative because it really wasn't a very strong narrative. <laughs> but uh, but no, in, in Hexham proper, the, the, the people that find it don't have any real problems. But their neighbors. 
get haunted in the middle of the night by what can be very delicately called where sheep man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> half man, half sheep, all where. Do we know the ramifications? <laughs> oh man, Blake, that was good. <laughs> nice. Oh, nice that was, slipped on by. I missed that. Now, I was gonna I was gonna say fuck you. <laughs> now in, in, in more seriousness, the, the description of the Vellum, in, in my opinion. <laughs> Too late for this. You know, you know when Jeb is the voice of, of, of maturity. You Things have wrong. gone horribly, horribly wrong. <laughs> but but to be all in all ser yeah, wow. Okay, that's fair though. Uh in in all seriousness, um when we say where sheep man, we're describing something with it was described as the head of a man, the upper body of a man, lower sh- lower body of a sheep, which sounds kind of demonic. Uh, the neighbor sort of described a nocturnal assault, to which I would say, go look at sleep paralysis. But anyway, um, but they wanted to move out of the house, and the sort of idea that these two stone Celtic heads that had been dug out of the earth in Northumberland in 1971 – had had spread. And Ross, the archaeologist in another part of the country, then starts describing that she, even though she had been obsessed with werewolves early part of her life, is seeing spectral werewolves in her house. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, which, Sarah, when, when we covered this, people seemed to love the fact that you were baffled by the fact that they were okay with this. That... Anne yeah. Ross and her family were describing. Well, because go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, 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 because you're missing. You're missing the like when we did this the first time. We explained that um, they, the family, would see these giant werewolf esque uh, manifestations and just go, "Oh, okay," and just keep <laughs> going on with their daily life, like. I think at one point that there was like a giant werewolf manifestation at the top of the staircase yes, and the daughter yes. was and the daughter was taking food up to somebody or she was to, to her something. father to her and father, she was yeah. just right, and she was just like do, 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 do. oh hey giant werewolf guy do, 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 and just kept on the, going and I'm like, well they are oh, British I mean they're British yeah. that is so British can you imagine them walking by going morning yeah, yeah. My, my, exactly. my husband uh my husband's had that kind of thing where his his ghost hunting group have been called around to people's houses and, and they call at three in the morning and oh you've got to come around and and you know we've got spinning heads and 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 all kinds <laughs> of crazy things taking place so you've got to save us and so okay well we'll come straight around now oh no you can't because uh you know I've got a hairdressing appointment or I'll get my nails done and, and so can you come around in two two weeks from Tuesday? Oh my god. <laughs> Well, the, the, that seems eminently proper. I, I don't fully understand how council housing works, but I believe the rent is low, so there is like an offset, right? So, well, but you're sort yeah. of you're sort of trapped in it, and so they actually requested, uh, "We want out," and they actually got it. And the 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 official reason was, "Oh well, well, the house is too small," but it seemed apparently in context to be like, "Also, you don't want to live there because of spectral." Where sheep man, right, right. Um, it's an afterthought. <laughs> so, so these two Celtic, and I know this is audio, but Celtic 
air quotes, heads were had been studied by an archaeologist and they had actually been like drawn and recorded and all that as they were real. And again, Ross was studying these very seriously. And you can go look up her books on this. However, when this got a hell of a lot of attention because of Weresheep Man and Spectral Werewolves in the press. Sheer terror. Sheer terror. <laughs> shearing Stop. terror. Stop. All the shearing terror. Stop. No. Stop. In, in 1971, 1972, um, this got a little more attention. And at one point, Desmond Craigie, a, a local man who had worked in construction, said, um, excuse me, I lived in that house. And I decided to make doll heads for my children, which is maybe why they look like apple dolls, uh, out of the concrete concretions that I had been making. And at the same time, Ross had sent the, the heads, these alleged 2,500-year-old Celtic heads, for uh, elemental uh, or, or compositional analysis, basically taking slices off, looking at them under petrography, other sources, mm-hmm. other, other analyses. The first one was like, oh, these look legit for various reasons. The second analysis that came out basically around the same time as Craigie going, I can absolutely say I made these, and then he promptly made some in his kitchen sink, was like, yeah, these are concrete. Oh, all right. So we have yeah. concrete evidence, is what you're we saying. We have concrete evidence. <laughs> we have concrete okay. evidence. But, but in essence, these things that had allegedly whistled up a were-sheep man and or a demon – if you want to see it that way, and spectral werewolves and bad luck and car crashes and other things. Again, you can look at sort of the literature on this. Nonetheless, had very serious, strong, <clears throat> concrete evidence that nice. they had been made 15 years earlier out of concrete. Where are they so, now? I mean, I understand this happened in the 70s, but what have they done for us ungulately? No one knows. Stop. And I, I, no. I, I, I see don't, what you did there. You can't. Just, no, don't encourage it. No, no, I, 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 see what you, I see what you Look did away. there. I can't, I can't make eye contact, no camera. But um, the, the actual. Metaphorically, metaphorically. Forgot. Nothing's metaphorical. But the, the actual disposition of them is, is actually not known, and that would be fascinating to know. But uh, they were fairly decently studied in the 1970s. They got in the hand of Don Robbins, uh, who was a big fan of stone tape theory and similar ideas in the 1980s, uh, which is the idea that objects sort of record ancient electromagnetic memories and replay them sort of like ghost recordings, which has kind of given way to quantum entanglement in the 21st century because it's a terrible place. But um, we don't know where the actual ones went and, and whether Don Robbins has them or others this is something that Screton actually discusses in his his sort of again definitive book on on the Hexam Heads. And I think it's in Quest of the Hexam Heads, if I remember the correct that we can find that. We'll put the link in the show notes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But this is the fascinating part. The unlucky mummy case I mentioned earlier has no actual curse. That's entirely a Victorian thing. The Hexam Heads are from the nineteen fifties. They have no purchase on antiquity. Right. Indian burial ground curses, native burial ground curses, that's basically about 100 years old. The idea of indigenous curses on European settlers is a bit older, but that's largely a European sort of guilt-slash-colonial mm. fantasy. Mm. 
these things all have to do with modern society and basically wanting to re-enchant the landscape, not to vapor the shit out of this. That's the thing I find fascinating about haunted mm. objects. This is the thing I find fascinating about Robert the Doll. Robert the Doll is just a goddamn doll. Creepy-looking doll. Sure. But well, nonetheless... Right, right. We, we yes, talked about that go briefly in, in, in the Robert the Doll episode that we did, where you know any curse story has this sort of uh, built-in success rate because what you're doing is you're doing this uh, filtering where you say, okay... Every bad thing that happens to me, I can attribute it to Robert the Doll. So you start to think about what bad things have happened since you encountered Robert the Doll. And then mm -hmm. any bad thing you start to think of, oh, it fits. Oh, there it is. Yeah. You know, yeah. so. Mm -hmm. Well, when you, when you go there as well, you've got the communal reinforcement with people, thousands of people who've written in these letters apologizing to him mm -hmm. for having taken a picture without his permission. And exactly. Uh, so it's. Yeah, so I, I, I agree. And and uh and we talked about that a little bit in a Robert the Doll episode. So I, yeah. I think curse based uh sort of approaches to this view, you know, that fits totally into the sort of cognitive bias uh which we're you know, we're born to. This is how our brains work. We're looking for explanations for stuff and right. and, and it's so easy to fall into the curse mentality. And yeah. I feel like uh, you know, as a skeptic, I hope I'm a sort of somewhat immune to the sort of uh, that sort of thinking, but it, it's a really human way to approach this stuff. You're looking for explanations. A curse patterns. is perfectly good, right? Patterns are there. The patterns. Yeah. Are there. Apophenia is a hell of a drug. It really is, and uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, you know, the whole goal of Monster Talk is to sort of approach this uh, with uh, here's uh, you know, let's let us explain that that you know biases can make things look really plausible. And let us mm -hmm. explain that there's really good reasons why it can seem real, but it won't hold up in a, a real, you know, sort of clinical approach. And, and learning yeah. critical thinking skills can save you money as well as alleviate fear, which is, you know, I love feeling spooky. I love spooky stories. And apparently I love whiskey. But uh, yeah, this is, <laughs> this, one of these things did not need to be admitted to. Yeah, so, <laughs> you know, there's interestingly, you know, they're, they're going to be releasing the last bit of what the, the Kennedy papers is that next week. And I've yep, heard the thanks to Congress that, that people who embrace these conspiracy theories is they don't want to believe that 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 this this asshole got a lucky shot off that day. They'd much rather believe there's this enormous conspiracy involving communists and fascists and Fidel Castro and the U.S. government because that makes sense. Because there's although it's terrible, there's a sense to it rather than well, you know, sometimes a guy gets off a lucky shot. Yeah, the, the, uh, I, Steve Novella ahead, talks go about. Ahead. I was going to say Steve Novella talks about that a lot on the Skeptics Guide to the Universe, where it's the the idea that this is such a big concept. It doesn't seem right that someone so small could take out such a big character. Right. Like, like there's this see. I'm going to disagree. I'm going to disagree with this though. That seems to be very much a uh, NPR New York Times perspective, and I'm not joking. Like that's a. The world should make sense because I'm in a place where it makes sense. I think a lot of conspiracy theory is very much coming from a place of disassociation and, mm -hmm. and not being tied to the movers and shakers or the perceived movers and shakers of a society. And most of the, the, the sort of description of that idea of like, oh, it adds order to an orderless universe. Like at least somebody's in charge, even if it's right. the evil Illuminati – 
that kind of comes from people that expect to be in charge. And this, this, I, I, this is probably this is, not that we've had tangents in the last hour, but I, would say, is, I don't completely agree with that idea because I think some of the people, I mean, I agree that the conspiracy theory itself is empowering to the individual who has it, but I don't think it's in a, a way of them trying to become the mover and shaker. I think it's more, of a uh, attempt to control what they don't understand or what's, I mean, for some people, things just don't make sense. And so they have to come up with their own theories about it. And that gives them comfort and it becomes part of their identity. I, I think there's and, an element, of, I think there's an element of grievance. I think there's an element of grievance against a larger society. And I'm not going to invoke which one of us called the election. Well, no, and I, I don't. I'm not disagreeing yeah. that there isn't a grievance with larger society, but and I, I'm going to ignore you because I, I do not acknowledge the last election. Well, well um, <laughs> that's the problem. That's uh, the problem. I, I, I like to throw out this little reminder that 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 everything only makes sense when you look at it at the end and look backwards, right? So we we find like this, this is one of the big problems people have with evolution, right? Evolution is a filtering process. There's always this survivor fallacy that we can think about when we think about bio, you know like uh, like how we uh, view like any kind of uh, filtering process. So uh, we have this uh, evolution filters out the things that didn't make sense, right? So we don't see things that that don't make biological sense because they die at birth, right? They die before birth. But when you're left with this pattern of oh look at all these beautiful, uh, amazing, complicated creatures, there has to be a designer. Yeah, one of the designers is natural selection because that allows a number of unexplicably complicated things to happen, but only the ones that are viable actually live to survive to reproduce, right? Blake, so Blake, can I get you to grade my papers? <laughs> why, do you say, why do you say that? <laughs> oh, no reason. No reason. Well, no, but there's an interesting tidbit to that one, though, because in the past that has been true. Like only the viable survive, but now we've got modern medicine, and so now we are able to make the non-viable viable. And mm -hmm. so that's again, we're talking about biases, and we're using modern perspective to look at the past, and you can't do that. Well, right, I guess the thing is, is that any of these conspiracy theories could be true, but you have to apply science and critical thinking to them to say, hey, right, 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 right. how do we filter out the nonsense? Because if you're not mm -hmm. going to filter them, they're all equally valid. And that's that's the, the everything's and a valid that's theory. that's the other is, problem. Yeah, it's a really common thing you'll hear in non-scientific yes. shows is all these theories are equally valid. Well, they're not because some of them can survive right. the filter of We science. need to hear yeah. both mm -hmm. Blake, we you weren't sides. there. Blake, no, we don't. You weren't there. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that comes yeah. up again and again. Exactly. I'm so glad we don't have the camera so you can't just see me sitting here shaking my head. Yeah, yeah, tutting. This is definitely the most – This is the most. I've never been inebriated on a show before, but I'm having a good time. I really wish I could say that. I'm glad I'm glad that you came on our show to be inebriated. I feel honored that you decided, you know what? I'm going to – Get drunk. I'm gonna cut loose and have some Sarah, Sarah, <laughs> as an as an archaeologist, I'm going to agree with that non-ironically. <laughs> <laughs> and anybody, anybody who wants to accuse us of being unprofessional. We're not getting paid for this Wait, shit, so my, of course it's not professional. My wife never so listens like to my Patreon shows. Money. This will be the one my wife listens to for sure. I'm sure <laughs> yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. So this is what let's. You do? 
So if 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 we're if we're nearly out, and it sounds like we we probably are. <laughs> Uh, let's... I'm just putting us all out of our misery. I But, but in all seriousness, we've talked about, we've talked about the nature of, sorry, the exotic and monsters. We've talked about unlucky mummies. We've talked about Hexam heads. We've talked about Wearsheet Man. We've <laughs> talked about how one can not simply examine anecdotal evidence, but because it's often selected for from afterwards. So let's ruin all of this. And you all have asked us for our favorite monsters. Uh, and I, I don't think we have a question in, in that regard in terms of like your favorite haunted objects. But let's ask that right now. Let's ask oh, that of all of us. Mm. Let's do that right now. Like this is, this is our sort of our Halloween episode. And we've clearly taken on the adult version of Halloween this time. Uh, but if we all had to kind of come up quickly with our our sort of favorite haunted object. What would it be? Hmm. Now, again, because I'm here in Connecticut, my favorite haunted object has got to be uh, Annabelle. The, oh, yeah. Uh, the, the, the doll of uh, the Ed and Lorraine Warren. They've got, what, three, three, three movies out of that thing? Oh, yeah. well, the, well, if you start with the Amityville Horror and then The Conjuring. Oh, you got four. You got four, now, yeah. yeah. There's con oh, there's you two got way more than four. There's, there's two, two conjurings. There's an Annabelle. There's, like there's Amityville Horror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, all, they all, yeah. So that one, I think, in terms of of uh, having a, a good business model, that I'll probably say, is your best. What, what percentage of the GDP of Connecticut is that? <laughs> that's that's it's, And listen, they pay taxes, so I'm not. I'm all for it. Yep. All right. So, my, <laughs> God damn it! They pay my salary. I'm a state so, employee. So so Ken is <laughs> Ken is Annabelle. Oh, okay. Well, I guess I'll go next. And, and rather yeah, than yeah, having yeah. A, a single object, uh, I, I, this is something I wrote about years ago, uh, again, for the James Randi Educational Foundation. And it's more a kind of phenomenon of people selling their personal haunted objects onto oh, yeah. uh, eBay and Etsy and even Craigslist. I think I know this is going, but continue. Oh, well, yeah, I'm being kind of general here, I think. But, oh, uh, I, I, I thought you were going to go with the Dybbuk box. No, I wasn't. No, not not that specifically, but that's okay, a, okay. an interesting one. Perhaps you can take that one. But uh, I've just over the years, I've come across so many examples of uh, dolls and haunted jewelry. And uh, there's a, a practice of people stealing trinkets from Whoa. graves. Whoa. Oh, my God. So, that's oh. kind of horrifying. They yeah. might take... Uh, just, just you know, the the little mementos and things that people leave on on graves for their family members. Oh. Uh, so it could be little toys, uh, you know, especially upsetting if it's children who've died. Oh, Jesus right. And and then stealing those and then saying, oh, they're haunted and and selling them well, on they're, uh, they're, eBay. They're, ha they're haunted now. Uh, right. <laughs> stole is it. that is that still a thing? I mean, my understanding was is that is that eBay at some point actually uh, forbade. The selling of occult stuff, like you could, like there you, there used to be a really part where like point. you could, go ahead, go they, ahead. They they did actually attempt to do that. They were really cracking down on the sales of uh, paranormal objects and uh, even things like spells and curses and prayers yes, and amulets, yes. talisman, all that sort of thing. Uh, so people just started finding workarounds. It was kind of like you know in the early days of Napster, where people would still upload music and they'd just change the the spelling of a, the name of a song. Uh, so these so are not occult objects on sale. These are pirate occult objects on sale. 
Kind of. <laughs> you you have people saying things like, uh, oh, here is a doll, and I'm not saying it's haunted eBay, but uh, other people have told me that, that it might be possessed. And uh, so just using all kinds of strange paranormal disclaimers, uh, but the, the it is still taking place. You can still go onto wow. Etsy and eBay and, and find these objects and time machines. and uh, Well, just- and there is... There's you know, I'm not, say, I'm not, saying, uh, I'm a, not saying this is a haunted object, but it might be a haunted object. I'm just saying. Yeah. Really? Well, and there's there's a whole market <laughs> that's know. just it's you it's just know. like haunted object eBay that you could <gasps> yeah. go on and just sell your stuff. Because I know there's like I've got several friends who are part of well the Wiccan community, and I know that there is a. It's not to sell haunted objects. It's to allow them to sell the things that Etsy and um, eBay won't let them sell. Things like spell packets and and prayers right. and. Yeah. That kind of stuff, but yeah, you get the haunted objects on there as well. How much you want to bet somebody's already bought the domain hauntedobjects.com? I mean, well, we could probably Google it as long as they're not like 3D scanning and printing or anything. But uh, <laughs> you're so gonna talk about that's that. A, that's you're gonna be so angry that when we the email. <laughs> oh, that's a that's a new thing, but um. So, Blake. Blake. I'm going to go with the uh, Hope Diamond. Probably. Oh, oh, Hi. oh, Ooh, yeah. hello. That's now, have you, have you seen explain. it? Have you seen it? Oh, uh, no, I've never seen it except on In Search of, but uh, it's it's always been a favorite. Uh, seriously? Sort of, yeah, seriously. I mean. Oh, my God, you have to go to DC and see it. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful, and it really <laughs> is blue. It Like, it's it's. Oh, it looks beautiful on TV, and and uh, you know, thankfully the Smithsonian has has survived the curse and uh, made managed to stay yes. in business. So that's yes. good for them. I would I would pay money if they had a little button where if you push it, it goes. You know, and you're old enough, you know what that is. I totally know what that is. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, the a poor a poorly a poor rendition of the in search up thing. The yes. views of mm-hmm. uh, expressed in the show are those of the producers and only represent a subset of the total number yeah. of possible views. <laughs> Amelia yeah, Earhart, a Loch uh, Ness yeah, monster. Yeah. Yes, yeah. love the uh, incidental music. Yeah, oh, I love God. the incidental. I, it is the best I, incidental music yeah, on any TV show. Trying to figure yeah. out, I keep trying to figure out how to put a soundtrack behind us when we're talking, but I'm just like, I can never find the right music, and we just kind. Of, Kind of go off on tangents too much for me to have. Like, I feel like at that point, I just I need to have Monty Python music in the background. But yeah, I, I I'm, pretty, I'm pretty it's sure fitting. we just I'm pretty sure we just found the perfect music. That that <laughs> yackety sack. And that's not the in search of theme. I'm just gonna that's my that rendition clip. of the search of theme. I'm just gonna take that clip of Jeb doing that and just like okay. work it into the background. <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah. Do it. Do it. So so who who has not said theirs? You you. Is it yes. just me? All right, got I haven't said mine. Oh, that's I've, what I thought. Sarah, I go ahead. Haunted three D objects. I'm oh. I'm I'm fascinated by this concept of a haunted of a printed three D object that is still somehow haunted, even though it's fucking made out of plastic. <laughs> well, plastic never dies, so This is true. There's this that. Very... It'll, it'll all end up in the horrifying island of Rilech of plastic in the center like, of the Pacific. When you when you three D print these objects do you have to print them in the same material? Like, do I have to go find like ceramic resin in order to reprint the haunted doll from hell? Or do I have to find like wood, wood filament to reprint? I don't know. Haunted totem. Children, children of the 3d corn based polymer. That's what. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It really really depends. So, you know, when you go into a 3d printing program, you have to, you have to set the percentage of the fill and you know, this Sarah, 
So it has, I think there should be for the printing of 3D objects for your Patreon, there has to be the percentage of how much shit you're full of for the, <laughs> the, 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 the printing of this. And I'm not like pointing at anybody who's 3D printing their haunted objects. And so the haunted objects for you, for me, I, I got to say the crystal skull. Oh, mm. I didn't think mm. of that one. Nice. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Because, <clears throat> oh my God, they're full of crap. That's pronounced <laughs> crystal. Can, <laughs> uh, the first two letters are the same, but they are, you know, they have been, they have been tested by so many people now and they are clearly the product of late Victorian and mm-hmm. not that we've been drinking, but now you drink for Victorian, uh, late Victorian craftsmanship. And yet they are never going to goddamn die. They, they are now an no. icon of crazy ass bullshit archeology span and that's not going to change. And the British Museum is like, this thing's full of shit. Well, we still put it on the first floor. Come, please come see it. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and they're not the only one. And, and I kind of get it. I mean, they're pretty objects, but that's not why people care. There are plenty of other pretty objects because there is just something about this idea of 20th century technology cast back into the past with all this mystical crap about them and spies and F Mitchell hedge F a hedges and Mitchell hedges and all this other garbage. But that said, I've seen his original objects. I've seen his original things. And I think that's probably my favorite. And if this is a drinking, a drinking game, Jeff, do we have to drink crystal skull vodka to go along? (laughs) Oh yeah. I have that upstairs. (laughs) I have two empty. Go. I have two empty bottles of it downstairs, so I don't need mm-hmm. to anymore. Did you feel spiritually enlightened when you drank it? Yes. It's filtered <laughs> by diamonds. Herkimer uh, diamonds. diamonds. Herkimer triple, diamonds. Triple filtered by Herkimer diamonds, which also, in case you're wondering, is, is kind of sort of charcoal. Just, yeah. just a little. Yeah. Quartz, <laughs> quartz crystals, aka charcoal. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No. It was, no, a, it was but, a clever marketing idea for sure. Oh shit! Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. But, all right, so we've done Haunted Objects in possibly our most directly and linear episode ever. Uh, so it was, very, it was a very succinct episode, yes. Yes, succinct. We Every, need to... Everyone stayed on topic. I was highly impressed. Yes, it was, it was, it was like quart, Herkimer Quister, Crystal Quartz Clockwork. Uh, so I look forward to our next Monster Talk yes. Archaeology Fantasies podcast crossover. Yes, so, gentlemen so, and ladies, thank you very much for joining me for year two. Great, great fun. Yeah. Thank and you guys. To, happy likewise, Halloween. Likewise. Thank I say, you for to everyone us. who's survived this long, happy Halloween. Yeah, happy, happy Halloween. Halloween. Yeah, oh, indeed. And, and listen, everybody who liked this episode, there, there's a book coming out. Jeb, what's it called? Spooky Archaeology? Oh, yeah. Uh, so, so, all, so, something like that. Something like that. Like June, that. whatevs. Keep your eyes out. University of New Mexico Press. It's a wonderful book, and man, it's a lot of spooky. Monster Talk. You've been listening to Monster Talk. I'm Blake Smith. And I'm Karen Stolzner. Monster Talk is, allegedly, the science show about monsters. Today you heard us talking with archaeologists Sarah Head, Ken Fader, and Jeb Card about haunted objects and a bunch of other weird stuff. This may be known as the episode where we mixed curses with cursing. Monster Talk is an official podcast of Skeptic Magazine. The views expressed on this show, if you could decipher them from the puns and other nonsense, are those of myself and my guests and do not necessarily reflect the views of Skeptic Magazine or the Skeptic Society. I'm not even sure what the views of Skeptic are when it comes to whiskey and puns, but you can check out their latest issue at your local magazine monger or online to find out. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Monster Talk. 
Each episode, we strive to bring you the best in monster-related content with a focus on bringing scientific skepticism into the conversation. If you enjoy Monster Talk, we now have a variety of ways to support the show, all with convenient links at monstertalk.org forward slash support. That's monstertalk.org forward slash support. There we have links to our Patreon pages as well as a donation button. A great way to support the show is to buy us books from our Amazon Monster Talk wish list, which directly helps us with our research. We love used books very much, so don't feel compelled to buy new ones. And we love Kindle, and we can share our digital library with each other. Finally, without spending any money at all, you can support us by leaving a positive review at iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Positive reviews help keep us visible in iTunes, which is a great way to help us find new listeners. And please, share our show on your favorite social media platforms. Monster Talk theme music is by Peach Stealing Monkeys. Thanks, as always, for listening to Monster Talk, and have a happy Halloween. Did you know that you can now subscribe to Skeptic Magazine digitally? Just grab our free Skeptic Magazine app, currently compatible with iOS, Android, PC, Mac, Kindle Fire, Kindle Fire HD, and BlackBerry Playbook. Head over to skeptic.com magazine app to find out more and download more of your favorite Skeptic content. Right. <laughs> but, but also, if it's, if, if it's a baby doll, it's creepy. But if it's a Barbie doll, Miso Hornet. <laughs> oh my god! It took a I'm, second, but I'm we got leaving it. that one thing. I'm I'm totally editing that out. <laughs> 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 <laughs>